0: Live from downtown San Francisco, this is 95.7, The Game.
1: Nine seconds, six seconds, crowd roaring. It's approval right now here at Chase Center. What a comeback for the Warriors down 19th. The shot clock Absolutely. violation. And Poole says, let's hear it. And they respond. Notches will catch the inbound. Fired it to the rim, no good. Ball game over. The Warriors are going to Dallas, leading two games to none. After giving up 72 points in the first half, the Warriors clamp down the Mavs in the third, and they win 126 to 117. Before tonight, there have been only four other franchises that have 200 playoff victories the Lakers, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Spurs, and now, I know you'd never thought you'd hear this, the Golden State Warriors.
0: Tim Roy on the call last night as he talked about the Warriors down by as many as 19, 14 at the half. But then the third quarter happened as the Golden State Warriors catch and then run away from the Dallas Mavericks now taking a commanding two games to none lead on the Mavs as things now switch to the Lone Star State for game three. That'll be played right here on 95. Kevin, the game coming up tomorrow. Hi again, everybody. This is Dan Avone alongside Evan Giddings. Evan, my man, what's going on?
2: Welcome back to the show. Any initial thoughts on what you saw last night? Well, I'm just to be with you, Dan. I'm I... Very much like what I saw from the Golden State Warriors, particularly in the second half. A tale of two halves is what the game was last night. And for Dallas, they shot the lights out in the first half. It was a complete opposite performance, especially from three-point range than in game one for them. But then the Warriors just slowly started to chip away. It It was a game of attrition, Dan. And I think that Steve Kerr said it best between the first and the second half coming out of the first half. The Golden State Warriors, they looked unpoised. I'm not sure if that's a word, but it's the one that he used. And in the second half, they looked poised. They looked like a championship-caliber team that simply wore down the Dallas Mavericks, let them continue to take as many threes as they could. And by the time that Dallas had sort of figured things out offensively, it really didn't matter because they could not get stops defensively. Golden State in that fourth quarter, 15 of 19 from the floor. They were unstoppable on offense, and the only time that Dallas did get a stop, they weren't able to turn it into points. So once the Warriors kind of built back from that you know, 19, they chipped away down to 14 at the half, then down to 11, and quickly out of the break down to 9 in the third quarter, you felt like it was only a matter of time before they were able to get the lead, and once they had it, they never gave it up.
0: Yeah, maybe it's unpoised. I I get, you know, initially the Golden State Warriors turning the ball over. It looked like a Golden State Warrior team that we have seen recently in the playoffs starting a playoff game down and getting down double digits. Part of that was them, of course, shooting themselves in the foot. Again, it's a scenario we're familiar with. But also, I think it was to be expected that the Dallas Mavericks came out and they they delivered a right cross. This often happens when you lose, especially when you lose – in, in decisive fashion, the way the Dallas Mavericks lost in game one, that you expect that team to come back and play much better. And that's what they did for a quarter and two quarters. Let's be honest. They could not miss from three-point territory. How about 19 threes in that first half? I mean, this is a team that had Bullock on fire. Doncic was doing his thing. And I think the Warriors, to a certain degree, knew that there was going to be this you know, this storm was going to hit. It was going to land and touch ground at some point. And as you and I were talking about before we came on the air, that was one of those just, all right, you just threw a right cross. We took a standing eight count. But we got two quarters of basketball left, and they just walked them down.
2: The Warriors have been here before. That that was a team last night that, to me, throughout this postseason, and partially because they haven't necessarily been tested in the first round, they faced a compromised Denver team with Jokic being the best player and then against Memphis, Jaw goes down a couple of games in. So you weren't exactly sure. like We weren't sure who this Warriors team was up until this point. But not just because of last night, but I think because of the first two games, I, I got to apologize because I, I personally, I think, underestimated how important the veteran leadership— yes, apologize, the, will you please? The playoff experience, how important it truly is. Like, we saw an up-and-coming Dallas team— catch absolute fire. They played off of each other in the first half. Like you mentioned, we're raining it in from downtown, but the entire time, even when the Warriors appeared to be losing their cool a little bit, they were chirping at the refs. Draymond picked up another technical foul. He didn't have a great game. It was the other guys that tended to elevate themselves, led by Stephen Curry. He was the head of the snake last night. He was steady through the first half, and then he kind of just waited for his team to fall in line, and that is what a great leader does, and that is something that I don't think we really understood up until this round, just because we hadn't had a chance to see the Warriors play another team at their full strength.
0: Yeah, you're talking about Steph, and I certainly want to get into Steph Curry, and why not? He was, I think he kept them in it with his threes in that first half. But what Steph does is he closes. He closes better than anybody. In fact, he leads the NBA right now currently in fourth quarter points. He knows how to take your team home. And usually he does it at getting at the rim. If we want to dust off and have the conversation, I know people get in the trees. When I say this guy is more effective now at the mid-range and finishing at the rim, I'll double down on that, especially when it comes to a Dallas Maverick team that has nobody – then, of course, can combat him at the rim and or the paint. By the way, the Golden State Warriors, 62 points in the paint. If you don't know by now, this is a team, yeah, that can shoot the three, but if you're running them off the line, the Golden State Warriors can get to the rim against the Dallas Mavericks. Gone is, you know, gone is Allen, gone is Adams, gone are all those bigs, the Clarks of the world. There is nobody, once you... Once you puncture that first round of defense, there is nobody waiting for you, and the Warriors need to take full advantage as they did last night. We're gonna open them up early. Triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. We want to hear from you. Warriors are up two oh. Things are headed to Dallas. Are we thinking sweep? What's on your mind? We started out in Oakland. Leroy, get us going. What's up, my man? Welcome to the show.
3: Hey Dan Evan brother it is a pleasure this is a first time caller but you know I'm always listening on Saturdays and um great win by you know our warriors warriors fans have been great um especially at home the home fans don't uh, get enough love some of us you know can't afford to be out to the state uh the arena all the time but we're at home and we got just as much as energy and we're just as as passionate and I just wanted to say that you know people ask me you know how are you going to stop Doncic? how are you going to stop Doncic? and I just looked them in the eye and said you know what I don't know I said, but I didn't know how we were going to out-rebound Memphis. I didn't know a lot of things about this team. And we just keep plugging and plugging and chipping away and winning. And for a fan, that's what's most exciting for me, just not knowing how we're going to do things and then watch them get it done. And I just want to say something about Dallas really quick because – um, my son, my youngest son, who's 23, he, uh, I raised him to be a Golden State Warrior fan. He went to college and he came back a Dallas Mavericks fan. <laughs> and so, oh boy, I am on him so much, man. I'm on him. And so I've had to watch the enemy. I've had to, I've had to study the enemy all season. And um, when I looked at Dallas, they are horrible in the fourth quarter. And they have been all season, even even in the regular season. And so I just think that the Warriors, if they look at that, and they have been taking advantage of that. I know Steve Kerr has looked at it, but Dallas plays terrible fourth quarters. And, and they have a history of it this season. And I think uh, the Warriors have taken advantage of it. Go Warriors. Thank you guys for Leroy, having me. Leroy, what's
0: your kid's name?
2: Leroy, are you there? All right. Might have lost him. Yeah. L- L- Leroy's a mainstay on the station, though. We hear from him all the time oh, throughout time the week. All right. I don't know. We, we we very much appreciate Leroy calling in here on the weekends and letting us know how he feels, especially because – and I, I thought he, he made a good point. Not necessarily that Dallas, you know, wore down in the fourth quarter. I mean, they, they're pretty efficient offensively. They just they, they just gave it 43 points. I mean, they, they couldn't get a stop. Um, but I, I think to his point about, like, the, the feeling – I mean that's something that I, I think that the Warriors and its fans have kind of been missing for a while. Obviously, we know what it feels like from the the finals runs for the five years. But when the Warriors trailed in a you know in a playoff game in previous years, you never felt like they were going to lose the game. I mean it was just a matter of when. It the only time that the op- opponent was going to defeat the Warriors in a in a game that meant something was if they were up by 20 in the last two minutes. I mean, that's when you finally had to call off the dogs. But there was at no point where you felt like Golden State, during the peak of its powers, was going to lose. And that's the way that I felt last night, Dan. Even when Dallas was was up big early, it it, it didn't feel insurmountable at any point. And we've seen throughout these playoffs how large leads quickly sort of diminish. That's because Golden State can shoot the three. But it's because, like you talked about, they got to the rim whenever they wanted to. And there was nobody in the Dallas front line. I mean, whether it be Dwight Powell, who's really their only big a pair of long, you know, lengthy forwards, Bertans, Kleba, you know, Finney Smith. None of those guys really protect the rim well. And so if you're Golden State, it was just a matter of time of when, not if it was going to happen. Yeah, I felt the exact same way.
0: And I don't know if that was pervasive throughout Dub Nation, but I'm right there with you. They were down 19. First of all, logistically, you're thinking, all right, can they maintain this torrid pace? Because that's the only way they're scoring. And the other thing is you you look at that Dallas team, and it's not like when Memphis went up by 20 and stretched that lead to 40 and eventually 55. But even when that lead began to grow, you're like, yeah, Memphis is pretty dangerous. They scare the crap out of me. Maybe you just dust this one off and come back in game five. Even when Dallas was going up big in double digits, there was just this this overall sense that this Maverick team, albeit they're big and they're shooting it well, or they're up big and they're shooting it well, they're sort of like what I was complaining about the Warriors during stages of the last series against Memphis. They're so exclusively reliant on jump shooting. No one on that team is getting to the rim aside from Doncic. And if Doncic and, I'm sorry, Jalen Brunson are your only two guys that are getting you points, I'll take that. I think the Warriors, again, said, all right, we'll withstand this flurry, but if this is all you got, we can walk you down and we're going to boat race you in that fourth quarter. There's there's not a level of fear that there was in that previous series. I don't know exactly what that is. I don't know what that X factor is, but when I look at Dallas, Doncic is as good as it gets. But beyond that, this is pretty weak. There's not a lot of... When I say depth, I'm not talking about guys on the bench. I'm just saying that beyond the surface, there isn't a lot there to this Dallas Maverick team
2: once you get beyond number 77. And that's why you felt like uh, that was a game that Dallas kind of needed to get. I mean, they, they've shown in the previous round against the Phoenix Suns, they can come back from down 2-0. So they, they they can do it. But this, to me, is a completely different beast. Like Phoenix just kind of wilted the deeper they got into the, into the round. It, it could happen for Golden State. But this game showed me... Well, to that point, Evan. Yeah. Great point. If this is Phoenix, Dallas hit 21 threes
0: last night. Brunson went for 31. So Donchich, you know, is going to get his. If I was to tell you Brunson's going to get 31, Dallas gets 21 threes, the Suns lose that game.
2: Yeah. Yeah. This is not the Suns. No, absolutely not. I mean, And for, for a couple of reasons. But that that's why, Dan, I was, I was almost confused. Because in game one, it was clear. Dallas... Didn't shoot the ball well. That was why they lost. They jacked up 45-plus threes. They hit 20% of them. You're not going to win games that way. But then in game two, I'm sitting there, and they come out firing again. I mean, they they make some. But right when the Warriors began to chip away at that big lead, I believe in the the second quarter, they went on an 8-0 run to cut it to 11 before it went back up to 19. Dallas continued to shoot threes. And that is not the way. That is not the way you you beat Golden State. Golden State was the more physical team last night. Gold, Golden State was the team that ran more. They got they almost doubled them up in terms of point in the paint. Dallas had nothing in terms of transition. So there was nowhere like you talked about for them to get easy baskets. And to your point, when Jalen Brunson and Luka Doncic are your best players in the paint. Like You got issues because I know that their game plan is to penetrate and kick, but it's just simply not going to work that way against the Warriors who, again, just wear you down with their experience, their length. I mean, all five guys on the floor last night at any time were pretty much fantastic, and even Draymond Green had nice stretches. He played probably the worst playoff game of his career.
0: He was terrible. (laughs) We're going to get into Draymond. He was terrible, and sometimes – I'll hold my breath on Draymond, but if you listen to me, it's a love-hate relationship, and I don't think I'm alone when it comes to Draymond. His emotion, his intensity. You might be. That's who he is. But there's sometimes it's like, too much, bro. Go sit down. I'd rather see Looney in that game. And, yes, Looney came up huge once again. We'll get into Looney as well. But I don't want to throw any – I don't want to kick any dirt in this thing yet, Ev. This is a feel-good. And as much as I'm a glass is half, you know, empty at times – because I'm overly cautious when it gets to the playoffs, especially the Western Conference Finals, and I've been singing the praises of, of Dallas just saying, you know, watch out, especially in that game, too. This is, I don't know, man, calling the dogs. This this, this hunt's done. There, there's nothing that Dallas has. There is, You might get one in Big D simply because of the emotion and role players always play so much better at home. I just don't see it. And I wouldn't say that against Memphis. Again, I'm not that homer if you listen to me at all. This is – I'm going out on a ledger. I don't typically talk this way. I don't see it in Dallas. I, I don't see it in personnel. I've watched two games now. There's there's nothing there. There's there is no – there's not that guy like, all right, let's, you know, let's bring in the big heavies. There's nothing waiting in the wings. Yeah, maybe Dinwiddie was off a little bit and he could play a little bit, bit better. This is it. This is who they are. And they just gave you your best shot. And the Warriors walked him down, getting down 19. I, I don't, I I don't see this going very far. And I'd be very surprised if Dallas is able to get one even at home.
2: I do think there are things that Dallas can do. That they found success down the stretch of the game offensively, and it was it wasn't just because they were shooting the ball well. Like like we talked about, they found a way to get into the paint with both Doncic and Brunson. And to me, that's something that can translate into games three and four in Dallas. The difference is going to be on the defensive side of the ball for the Mavericks and how they find a way to limit the Warriors both on the outside and on the inside. I mean, (laughs) player of the game might have been Kevon Looney. I mean, that guy looked like a dominant big man. He had a career-high 21 points, the 12 Mm -hmm. rebounds. He was absolutely fantastic and they turned him into an interior force. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen every single game, but The Warriors did a a fantastic job of exploiting Dallas. After the first quarter, after they toned down the turnovers, Dallas could not find ways to get stops. And, I mean, looking at the game, it wasn't just because the Warriors, I mean, created the good looks. Like, Dallas just, they didn't rotate well. I mean, they only had a couple of options to throw at Curry, and when he started bombing from three in the first half, it's almost like that extended their defense, and then Curry... To your, to your mention, got to the rim. I think that Dallas can make some adjustments defensively, and if they continue what they did in the fourth quarter, I think they have a chance to mm. eh, at least push it to six. And make all the adjustments you want. They
0: don't have the horses. They just don't have the horses in the barn when I look at this team. There's nothing there, man. There's no you know, bringing the gimp, as I give you a Pulp Fiction reference. There's nobody that you can bring <laughs> off that bench where you're like, all right, man, go get them. We've seen it all, man. They've hit you with both fists. There's, there's nothing there. This is a big, this is a nothing burger aside from Luca. Let's get to the phone lines. Out to Fremont, Rich is standing by. What's up, Rich? Welcome on a beautiful Saturday to 95.7 The Game.
3: What's up, fellas? Thanks for taking my call. Hey, man, I'm gonna tell you something. Y'all catch that Looney Tunes show last night? That was just too much, <laughs> man. I tell you what. When it really comes down to it, I said this about Memphis, and I'm gonna say it about Dallas. You bring that garbage in there. We gonna send the garbage man out there, Looney Tunes, to clean it up. Cause anytime you get a double double on a night like that, that's just garbage and company, brother. Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: Good job, my man. Yeah.
2: What's going on with Looney? Looney looked like he was playing pickup with some with some middle schoolers. Like he he's he's the college guy, and everyone's trying to get some run around him, and he just looked like, well, pretty much like the rest of the wars. He looked like a vet. He looked like a guy that we don't give enough credit to when it comes to, I mean, just his performance in general. He played 82 games and all the bit, but his playoff performance, like to me, that that's been the difference in these first two games. Curry has, his larger part played the way that he has throughout the playoffs. He's been pretty steady. Clay's had a, you know, a couple not so great shooting games, especially in game one, but he's found ways to get his looks. Draymond had a tough night, but he was good in game one, both Looney and Wiggins have Mm. elevated their game to different stratospheres. And Looney has done it before. The the difference to me, Wiggins, we didn't know if this was possible. I mean, we had kind of seen him performing in clutch situations last year in the play-in, didn't go his way against Memphis. But he has elevated his game to where I feel perfectly comfortable with Wiggins doing whatever he wants to on the floor and not batting an eye. Looney, offensively, I mean, he just he cleaned up everything around the glass. And then to me, maybe the most impressive part of his game was when Dallas, especially in that second half, just continued to hunt switches. They put Curry in like seven pick and rolls three minutes into the first uh, the first or sorry, third quarter. And Looney ended up a lot on Doncic and Brunson, and he found ways to keep him in front. That's it. It was reminiscent of the 2018 series when they would have Harden just hunt for the bigs one-on-one when they're playing the Rockets. And Looney did a pretty good job at forcing Harden and now Doncic into a volume shooter. And so that doesn't allow the rest of the Mavericks to get into a rhythm. And I think that's why we saw a lot of those missed shots in in the second half because when Doncic is navigating and he's got the ball at the top and he's dancing, everyone's just sitting there. The ball sticks. It's not moving anywhere. And so when you're not getting any opportunity to shoot in rhythm, then it makes it a little more important for you to hit those open looks. Ball gets sticky, palms get sticky, and in the case of last night, Dallas went cold, Golden State took advantage.
0: Oh, full full advantage. And getting back to Wiggins, Wiggins has to be aggressive because it's by design. Coach Curtis said, we need you to go at Luka. Luka's watching you. We know you're going to pick him up primarily defensively, that's your assignment, but offensively we want to work him. All right, we want him expending as much energy as possible. So what it's created, it's making him be that much more aggressive. Where typically Wiggins maybe will defer to other players, but because it's by design that he's gotta go after Luca, we're seeing the aggressive side of Wiggins. And this is the dude they've wanted all year long since he's come over to Minnesota and he's been an absolute revelation. All right, the phone line's backing up. We gotta get out to Los Altos. I'll wait for my producer Bri. Bri's working uh, there he is. All right, let's get out to Los Altos. And Tom's standing by and wants to get into it. Tom, what's going on, man? Welcome on this beautiful Saturday.
4: Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys, for having me. Appreciate it. Uh, I was uh, at the game last night. It was a tremendous atmosphere, especially in the, in the second uh, second half. felt so a little bit like Oracle days, uh, at least for the fourth quarter. Uh, my point being is I want to take two notes. First of all, I what are you, what are you thinking – I mean, the turnovers were, were a big issue for the Warriors in the last series, and – um and then you come to the game last night, and they're they They, happen, they they're committed like nine or ten turnovers. I think most of them in the first quarter, you're you scratching your head and you just don't understand how those veterans are doing it again and again and how they're not managing to clean up those turnovers right away, right from the start, and just only figuring it out in the se- second half. That's my first question. My second uh, comment is that, unfortunately, Damon Lee is very um, uh, very uh, disappointing in this playoff Uh uh, last night, I, I, I know I, I'm a big fan, but I, I hate to.
0: Thanks so much, Tom. Yeah, the, the turnovers, that's just the world they live in. On that razor's edge, man, that's the way they play, and unfortunately, the turnovers are part of it. Sam's hanging out in Sonoma. What's going on, Sam? Welcome to the broadcast.
5: Hey, guys. Hey guys thanks for taking the call. Uh, I contend this game last night, the second game, was more important to the Warriors than it was to the Mavericks. And, and the reason I say that is, you know, there's an old saying in, in playoffs is you're not really in trouble till you lose the first game at home. So I think the Mavs are still in it. I think that last night was really important for the Warriors to get that win because they still don't have a loss at home.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I, I'm definitely with Sam there. I think that there's still life for Dallas in this postseason. And the reason why, to his point, it was so important for Golden State to defend home court is because... When the Warriors have been at their best, when they've been making runs to the finals, when they've been successful in the postseason, large in part they have played with a lead in the series. And that doesn't mean that they simply can can punt games, but I think you saw a sense of urgency last night from the Warriors that was reminiscent of the championship pedigree that we have come to know these big three. And now you gotta throw Looney in there, four guys that have championship rings. You you didn't see them panic at all and you know, I think a lot of teams, after winning game one and going away fashion, most of the guys didn't have a chance to play in the fourth quarter. They were well-rested. they come out maybe a little bit laxadaisical, kind of like we saw at the beginning with Warriors turning the ball over, but there was no sense of panic. It wasn't like Memphis in, in the second round when, you know, the Grizzlies just saw blood in the water and absolutely stomped all over Golden State. I think that was a different situation.
0: That's that pedigree that you've been referring to in the experience of this team. Let's clean it up with Bruce who's hanging out in Walnut Creek. Bruce, what's going on, man? Welcome back.
5: Thanks for taking my call. couple of things. One, I wear my socks, my flag, and my shirt. All Warriors. Go Warriors. Uh, two things. One, Luca carries the ball while he's dancing in the center. Constantly. I watched it all last night. It was amazing how much he carries the ball. 2nd out. Second thing is the Warriors are a better team altogether. So there's no chance of for
0: the Dallas to come back. Thanks. Thanks, Bruce. You know what? Everybody carries the ball in the NBA these days. If the refs were to call it, I'm telling you, 75% of the league is guilty of it. Michael's hanging out in Saratoga. What's going on, Michael? Talk to me.
6: Yeah. Hey, thanks for taking my phone call. Um, my point I wanted to make was Draymond Green last night, he did have a bad game. But one of the things I thought he was doing was taking the team into the head of going against the refs so they were playing just not the mavericks but the refs as well once he got that fifth foul i actually was happy because i thought oh man they'll tone it down and it did i think that's why they got back in the game is with his fifth foul he had to sit on the bench and give the warriors a chance to calm down and not be in the head of the refs you know being fighting the refs i thought that was a big game changer at that point and i I've not seen anybody talking about that too much. I wonder what you guys thought about that. Oh,
0: Michael, we're going to go full tilt. You stay right here on 95.7 The Game. We're going to get to a break, and when we come back, I'll go into Draymond. But first, Zach wants to clean up the first half hour. Zach's in Oakland. What's up, Zach?
7: Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. You kind of already took the words out of my mouth. But watching Game 1 and Game 2 gave me really immediate flashbacks to 28. Switch on to Looney and he can't keep up with their guards, but he's so good. He's such a, a brick wall. Zach, get on another line,
0: man, and call us back. We want to hear what you have to say about Looney. All right, want to hear from all of you. When we continue here, it's Evan Giddings, Dan Avone, just getting our feet wet here on a beautiful Saturday, the day after the Golden State Warriors go up 2-0 on the Dallas Mavericks with things switching now to Big D. I want to talk Draymond. I want to get more into Looney as well as Wiggins. Draymond, Draymond, Draymond. Oh, boy. Ev, got to light him up a little bit. That's Evan my guy. Evan Giddings. That's Oh, all right. Well, you got you got an opportunity to go right at me. You're four feet from me, my man. It's Evan Giddings, Dan 957 95-7, the game rolls along after this.
1: Wiggins now puts it on the deck. Backs down Brunson. Shoveled up top to Draymond. Takes a three. Good! Draymond from downtown. 105-96.
0: Now back to Warriors this week. Now back to 95-7, The Game. The Golden State Warriors go up 2-0 on the Dallas Mavericks. Now clearly in the driver's seat as things now will switch to Dallas. And, of course, you will hear, especially over the next 24 hours, how the Dallas Mavericks were down 2-0 to the Phoenix Suns and came back in that series, as we all know, and stretched it to a Game 7 in which Luka Doncic and company just simply ran away and hid. From the Phoenix Suns, that anemic Phoenix Suns with one of the worst performances ever in the history of Game 7s by a team that was playing at home. Certainly, you know, we can underline that and use it as a reference point. I would just casually say that this is not the Phoenix Suns. And again, if that team hits 21 threes, I'm talking about Dallas and Brunson goes for 31 and Luka scores more than 40. I'm telling you that Dallas beats the Phoenix Suns. But again, the Warriors are not the Phoenix Suns. This team has turned on, has hit that proverbial switch here in the second season. And this is a team right now that has got to be your odds on favorite to win an NBA championship. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but they're up to and I don't know. I'm typically one of those guys. It's, you know, I'll throw caution to the wind. I know you are. I'm getting caught up right now.
2: Yeah. How can you not? Well, it's, it's tough. Like again, The question was how Dallas was going to adjust Game 1 to Game 2, and they didn't really seem to do that until the end of the game. Meanwhile, the Warriors kind of just maintained their exact plan as Game 1 and found a way to get the job done as they did in the 30-point-plus blowout. So, I mean, there's no reason to not be confident And if you're a Warriors fan. The question now is if you're Dallas, what do you— what do you want to make of your season? How do you want to be remembered? Because when they were coming into this series, there was a lot of people, myself included, who were kind of worried about what was going to happen to the Warriors. I mean, the Dallas Mavericks had a lot of momentum coming in, a big win they'd already knocked off the team that had played the best basketball from beginning to end of the regular season in the Phoenix Suns. And they walked into Golden, uh, into Golden State's Arena and Chase Center. They laid an egg in Game 1 and Game 2, they might have played their best game of the playoffs. I mean, shooting, shooting shooting-wise, and they couldn't get the job done. So there's absolutely reason to be confident. I'm going to tell you to pump the brakes on the finals and the championship. We're not going to be putting up any banners yet. There's still a long ways to go. They got six more wins to get before that happens. But you absolutely have to be feeling great if you're a Golden State Warriors fan because Dallas, it felt like they threw the first-round potential knockout punch the Warriors stumbled back, might have even gone down to the canvas, but came back up and won the next eleven rounds. All right, let's
0: open it up again eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Want to hear from you? Warriors win it last night. They're up two zero. Let's go back to the phone lines. Polo, San Francisco Warriors. What do you got for me? Welcome, Polo.
3: All right, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, here's what I got for you guys. Um, I don't like the Dallas. And the reason why I don't like them because they, they just sit they just sit around the three point line. There's no constantly movement. We're not we're not uh, the uh, Phoenix Suns. They sit around the perimeter and let Derrick I mean, um, Brooks break down the defense, and that's easy to guard. Uh, Luka Doncic is a patch stat. His assists don't mean it's not meaningful assists when he's giving out an assist. It's not. There's no boost to that. That's why the Warriors nobody can't beat the Warriors. Cause they got constantly moving around without
0: the ball. You're right. It's the best offense going right now of the teams that are remaining in the NBA. And I'm talking about the Western Eastern Conference Finals. The only other team really that's comparable is San Antonio, obviously long gone. But this is an offense that moves. The ball doesn't stick. And when you think about... (laughs) it's almost as though shoes on the other foot because this has just become an exclusive jump-shooting team, and I'm talking about Dallas. If they're not hitting threes, you got no chance. If you're hitting threes, you got a chance. But as we saw, even if you hit 21 of them, it ain't enough. So what else is it that you're going to do? Well, nothing, because you don't have anybody aside from Luka who can put it on the deck and get to the rim. Brunson gives you somewhat of a mid-range game. But there is there is nothing there, man. That's again. Well, I see absolutely no roots, no substance to what it is that we're seeing out of this this Dallas Maverick team. Arinda's the location. Joe is the caller. Joe, my man, what's going on? And welcome to ninety five seven. The game.
7: Thank you. Uh, what a what a win! Just still riding the high and the afterglow of that win. Seeing our guys scrap back that way and showing the resolve that you have to have. And the grit you've got to have to get through through the finals, and I I, and I really do feel confident that we've got it. I think the key to us winning last night was the two three defense zone that we were playing. You could see any time we switched out of it back to man, uh, you know, Luke is so good at exploiting that and. It's a vulnerability for us lately. Our guys, you know, with these every-other-day games, they look gassed a lot of the time. We're starting to show our age a little bit with our core, and sometimes the energetic switching that we're famous for just isn't there. So I think the real key to us winning has been this 2-3 zone you'll notice them slipping back into, especially in the last couple games. Uh, and then, of course, our ability to bang on the inside with Looney size, something that we've missed I think you know Wiseman isn't someone that we can count on I think he's gonna go down the path with Greg of or you know see uh, you know just being a big guy and standing on a meniscus is is very very hard to come back from uh, so I, I hope that he we get some talent and some length out of out of him uh, but he may be more valuable as a trade if, if we never actually play him uh, but just seeing Looney step up and, and deliver on the inside with all of his rebounding and inside points just shows, I think, we really were so famous for spreading the floor and for, for you know, sinking, living, and dying by the three. I think it's just impossible for us not to... to uh, it's impossible for us to win if we don't really attack the hoop inside. Jordan Poole gives that to us. Steph needs to do it more. Looney has been delivering on that front. Clay has been struggling, but if... If we can keep attacking the inside and get better looks on the outside, then I think we we're gonna win all of, all the way.
2: Appreciate the call, Joe. I, I thought he brought up a good point about the zone. To me, the zone is almost like it's almost like bait. Like when they're when they're in that zone, they're they're essentially gifting Dallas better looks from three. They're making sure that they can't get to the rim. And they did that, I think it was around six minutes left, halfway through the first quarter, and then midway through the third, they threw that uh that that two three, three-two zone, I think it was, where they kind of brought three guards up top and basically forced Dallas to move the ball around around the perimeter. They they did a pretty good job of finding open shooters, but it wasn't the shooters that you'd want. It was, you know, a Finney Smith, it was a Josh Green, it was a Maxi Kleber who was just absolutely awful around the three-point line. Reggie Bullock. Doncic, Brunson, those were the main guys that were hurting you from three. And so, you know, they, they didn't stay in it for a ton of the the game, but I thought that they went to it at times where maybe it was the second unit or maybe it was when, you know, Jordan Poole's on the floor and they don't necessarily trust him as a one-on-one defender so they can cover him up a little bit more. But to me, the the zone that the Warriors employ is basically asking Dallas to take shots from downtown. We don't want you to even look inside the three-point line. You can have whatever you want on the outside. If it goes in, that's okay. Because odds are, again, they played the numbers game last night. They were down 19 in the first half. Dallas was shooting absolutely out of their minds from three-point range. And they played the law of averages, and they walked away with the win. Going away, mind you, I know it was pretty close down there in the fourth quarter. But again, the confidence level, not only permeating from chase center, but you could just feel it through the screen. There was no sort of distrust. There was no sort of panic on the faces of the Warriors. And that, to me, is why they won the game is because they were more poised than the Dallas Mavericks.
0: You know, I go back to that Memphis series. I continue to use that as sort of the foundation going forward. That is the best team I'm on record as saying that they're going to face in the postseason, including whether they meet the Celtics or the Heat in the NBA Finals. Nobody's that athletic. Nobody's that talented. Nobody has that sort of grit. Nobody protects the rim like those guys. Nobody has that sort of size and talent like that of Memphis. And again, when I look at Dallas... There's just, there is nothing there, comparatively speaking. And I, okay, Reggie Bullock, you want to beat us? Go ahead. It's Reggie Bullock. The talent level and the drop-off from Luka is so considerable that it got to a point in game one that even with them in a nip-and-tuck game, even though they ran away and hit late in that game, you just got a sense of, Dallas, There's, there's no horses in the barn here, man. It's not like when you lost a game to Memphis, you're like, well, we're in a series. Even if they lose one to Dallas, I'll get on, this, I'll get on these airways and say this team still doesn't scare me because I still don't see it. And I didn't have that feeling until, of course, they wrap things up in game six against Memphis. The caller also mentioned something interesting about Looney and Weissman. I want to ask you this. After what we've seen of Looney, this guy's taking it over, man. He's not becoming this sort of relegated to, hey, whoa, don't forget to throw flowers to Looney. Looney's becoming front and center. He's going main stage for the first time in his career, and rightfully so. We know Weissman's waiting in the wings. Do you need a big anymore? I mean, think about it. If you just had Weissman or you had the, the conventional big, Dallas goes five and out. Do you have to? There's no place for a Rudy Gobert in a game like this. There's no place, where we saw for DeAndre Ayton, who played 17 minutes for the Phoenix Suns. The guys like Looney, isn't that sort of where you want to be in today's game?
2: Well, it's interesting because the big stat that was being floated around last night was the fact that the Warriors hadn't had a big man, or just a player in general, score twenty points with ten Chief. rebounds since Robert Parish in nineteen seventy seven. So I guess the only hope at this point is that they don't trade Loden because they did that to Parish and that didn't really didn't really work out. Mm-hmm. But you, where did he go by the way? I believe they traded him. Was it to Boston? Was it straight to Boston? Uh, yeah, I'm just being front. And, oh, okay. I wasn't I'm sure being if there was. was a... with it. Yeah, the Warriors <laughs> gave them their
0: historic front line of McHale, Parrish, and Bird, and Parrish came for the Golden State Warriors. I was being a wise guy. <laughs> well,
2: the guy played forever. I wasn't sure if there was an intermediary stop. Uh, yeah, shout out to Big Chief for that, and shout out to the the new Chief Kevon Looney. Yes, I mean, I don't think you necessarily need a dominant big to win. I mean, we we saw the Warriors do it do that. I mean, for. Three championships without really a, a dominant interior presence, even when they had Bogut or or Festus Um, you don't you don't need your your center to be the best player. In fact, sometimes it can be a little limiting. I mean, we saw how Jokic had issues sometimes down the stretch of games. Granted, he didn't have the surrounding cast, but the ball just simply it's easier to force it out of a big man's hands, I think, than it is to someone on the perimeter. But I, I want to stick with your point about the drop-off between Luca and the rest of his team. Because that was a big talking point coming into the series of, well, Dallas has the best player. Or, or do they? Is, is Luca going to be the best player in this series? Because in order for the Mavericks to win, he absolutely needs to be. The issue is that even if Luca is the best player in this series, uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but we'll go ahead and give it to him. The guy had 42 points on 23 shots in Game 2. He's fantastic. The issue is that the second... The third, the fourth, the fifth-best players are all on the Golden State Warriors. And Jalen Brunson, even with a fantastic night last night, they had 73 combined points and lost by 10.
0: There you go. Enough said. All right, want to go back out to the phone lines at 888 9570 and want to hear from you. I know you guys want to get in on the conversation. Let's get things going. Well, we'll wait for my man Brian to come back. But, yeah, you know, I was – the text line's getting in on on Weissman. I know Weissman, it's sort of undefined as to whether he's a guy that has to come off the floor or not because, you know, he's a seven-footer. I don't know whether he can defend against some of the smaller guys and get out of the perimeter. Certainly offensively, he's not a guy that you have to hide. We think he's a guy that that has showed a gentle touch from the outside and could be that big. But when it comes to paying bigs these days, that's not something you do. You, You maybe pay Jokic and Joel Embiid. That's about it. Because in this day and age you gotta pay guys who are on the wing. That's the way the game's being played in twenty twenty two. You pay shooting guards because that's the way the game is being played today. Biggs, they're somewhat of a dinosaur. Mike's in San Francisco and wants to talk about Loon. What's going on, Mike? Welcome aboard, buddy.
6: Yeah, what's up? Uh uh Looney, one of the unsung heroes, not flashy, doesn't get a lot of run, but he's been big time. I mean, what he does offensively defensively i love the way third quarter it wasn't uh, everybody thinks all about the three-point ball it was all about looney getting those positions and getting those dunks easy layups putbacks and then his offensive rebound and getting getting the warriors second and third opportunities to get back in that game so i just love what that guy does he's just the ultimate gritty guy a tough guy you you guys are right you don't need a superstar big man but they are important especially if you're in the next round, regardless, you're probably going to play Boston against a guy like Robert Williams. They pound you inside or against Miami with a guy like a, a bam out of So Looney plays a big factor and you saw it again. Once again, I just love the way that guy fits in perfectly into what they do. And uh, just, uh, I think uh, guys, the one thing about Dallas is they may not have the biggest names and everyone feeds off feeds off Luca, but they do play a lot better at home. So expect their best punch. I know they they gave away last night. They felt like they probably gave that game away. But I think those guys shoot a lot better, especially guys like Dinwiddie, Brunson, and they did win, remember, against Utah without them. So these guys can play, and I expect the Warriors are going to be prepared for a much better team because role players better play better at home. So uh, I think the Warriors got to lock in defensively because as we've seen, Dallas at home is a different element. They can shoot you out of, shoot the opponents out of games. So Look for, for the defense to really lock in on this team because all those guys outside of Brunson and, and, and Dinwiddie and D- Denny Smith can really light it up as they show in all playoffs. So uh, this is not over yet. Uh, but as long as the Warriors
0: – All right, thanks so much, Mike. Yeah, you know what, getting back to Looney, there's a level of disrespect on the part of the Warriors, and you can't necessarily blame them, Right. I mean, they drafted Jordan Bell to sort of take his spot. They went and got James Weissman and said, this is our big. They didn't offer him a third-year option. They they could have given him the bag a lot sooner than this. I mean, I get it, but there's been sort of this level of, well, listen, Looney, you know, you're a nice guy and we love you, but, and Looney says enough is enough. Priest is in Palo Alto. Priest, what's up, my man? I'm sure you're feeling good after the big win yesterday. What's up, Priest? I'm, I'm doing good,
5: man. Thanks for taking my call, And, um, see, this is the problem I have with fans. Looney, how long has Looney been on the team? Six
2: years? Seven seasons.
5: Seven seasons. He finally shows up, and believe me, I'm a huge fan of Looney. I have been since we drafted him. It's just that his injuries kept him back, held him back. Good point. For years. Looney is going to get a whole lot better and I, I I saw this in Looney five years ago him being able to do these kind of things I think mean, go- he just needs some uh, uh, moves around the basket his, his my only problem has been with looney finishing around the basket you ain't got to dominate the game but you gotta score the baskets that you have now. That being said, just don't get stupid, man. James Weissman. <laughs> I was waiting for Weissman. I was waiting for Weissman at a priest You guys, you guys, this is our problem I have with fans. You think for the moment, whoever was doing whatever is the most recency bias reign supreme in fandom because you can't see the future, nor do you see the past, Right. You see the moment, and this is everything, and this is all there is, and that's it. you telling me you wouldn't pay Anthony Davis? You wouldn't pay Carl Anthony Towns? You wouldn't pay Giannis? If you don't pay big, let, let me explain something to you, man. <laughs> this game is about talent, whether it's small, big, or wings. When you're seven foot tall and you have phenomenal talent, like Giannis, like Anthony Davis, like Embiid, that's better than being having talent and being six five. And people just don't get it. You don't it's not about, oh, we don't need a bigger, we don't no. You need talent regardless to where it's at. When you look at James Wiseman and you look at his talent and it compares to Anthony Davis and Giannis. You don't go, we don't need that. If you think you don't need that, you're an idiot. Priest,
0: let me cut you off, man, because we got to get going. But that is one of the strongest calls out of you, because you did put me in my place. Carl Anthony Towns deserves money. And you're right. I guess what I should have, if I was to rephrase that, as much as we thought that there was a void on this year's Warriors team, Ev, because how often do we look at it we're like, God, they don't have a big. They're doubling down on small. How are they going to get this done? That this year's Warriors team, with the emergence of Looney, I can now see in that winner's circle winning an NBA championship. Going forward, Priest is right. Look at If that man, James Weisman, can be the guy that he envisions that a lot of people champion, you're a better team. I, I hope I didn't misrepresent myself or misspeak, but he's right. They're a much better team when you – when you can do it with somebody like that of James Weissman, who, oh, by the way, happens to be seven feet one or whatever it is, then you're, you're just a better basketball team when your best player or one of your best players is that big. But the jury's still out to a certain degree. But in terms of today, I don't think – I think you can still win that title without the likes of a, a James Weissman or the proverbial big. I guess is the best way for me to have put it.
2: Yeah, uh, Giannis he, – he mentioned Giannis. He's, he is a – big man but he he plays yeah, he's not a center. like a guard. Yeah. I mean, he is he is interchangeable at any position. So I wouldn't necessarily count him as a like the true big that I think that that Priest is talking about is is one that, you know, can dominate from the inside. And that is something that the Warriors just haven't really had. Now they've been constantly searching for it. They've been trying to get it, and I think that's why they drafted your your point earlier about Jordan Bell because Kevon Looney was hurt large in part for the first couple of years of his career. I don't necessarily see Priest's point about Looney getting better. Like, to me, this is the... This is the perfect version of Kavon Looney. This is exactly what this team needs him to be. They need him to be a guy that isn't afraid to bang down low, that isn't afraid to scoop up boards, that isn't afraid to contest shots at the rim and just simply be a nuisance on defense and a janitor on offense. Like, that's what they need him to be. And I think that he has seized his role beautifully, and we've seen the best version of him. I thought it was in Game 6 against Memphis. Turned out it was Game 2 against Dallas.
0: You know, he had a good point also when he said Looney needs to finish. I've maintained that all year long. And actually, you know, you might include or bring under that umbrella Draymond Green. You can you can do all the other things, but if you're wide open from 7 to 8 feet, you got to score the basketball. you got to have at least a game with a jump hook, a runner. you got to score some of those hoops. 21 points last night. And I want to reference this guy. They call him Decky, I think. I think it's <laughs> Dejan uh, Milajevic. Milajevic, right? That's the yeah. guy who was the personal coach mm-hmm. for that of Jokic. Yep. Maybe this guy's teaching him how to finish. He's got something. Right? I mean, he had an up and under last night. <laughs> Where the hell did that come from? Loon, you're getting to the rim and you're finishing on guys. So maybe it's Decky, Dehan Mill. Give me last name again.
2: Uh, his nickname is Soft Touch, apparently, because that's whatever one of the bigs that he talks to and coaches with. Uh, that's what they turn into. I mean, Jokic has a, a beautiful floater game. You hope that that can transfer down to James Wiseman when he's healthy enough because to Priest's point, I don't know if – if Wiseman is is the future, but anything he gives you at this point is gravy. Like that's what I'm taking away from Wiseman. You you don't give up on him, but anything positive you get from him is just cake or uh, frosting on top of the cake.
0: See that that's why Ev is Ev. Mr. Giddings, of course, knows Milichovich is a little bit of his last name, <laughs> the, the correct pronunciation. That's how you become play by play. Of course, he is the voice of the Bay Area Panthers, who have a game right up to us, right, Evan?
2: That they do, 5 o'clock down in the desert, Northern Arizona Wranglers, and uh, you can hear that game right here on 95.7.
0: As I understand it, big underdogs today.
2: Yeah, I, there, there's not an official spread in the IFL, but if I had to <laughs> oh, put it. Oh, there is it,
0: one out there probably.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, if you went to Bet GM, it'd probably be somewhere around <laughs> Panthers plus. I'll be kind and say 22 and a half.
0: All right, let's get back to Warrior Talk. Phil's out in San Jose. Phil, what's going on, man? Welcome aboard.
6: No, it's Bill. 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 That's okay. Bill's out making big bucks. I'm Bill.
2: All right, Bill. What do you got? Uh, no
6: problem. I, just, I know. So strange idea in this day and age. But uh, Myers talked about how the Warriors. Uh, what are the. Oh, somebody said that the, the key uh, trade is uh, loyalty. They're loyal to each other. Dre and and uh, Steph and uh, and uh, uh, okay, uh, okay, uh, and uh, Draymond. They're all loyal to each other. What's the idea? What's the possibility outside the realm around? that as the
2: years go on and... They- Uh-oh. It sounds like Dollar Bill needs a better connection. Yeah, Filler Bill, you need a new phone. But I, I don't know. Where, do you see where he was going with that, Ev? Kind of. I mean, I think I think what he was going to ask is how much longer you can continue to run the big three back. And, and I think that's why this, to me, this postseason is so important and why their performance in the first two games of this Western Conference Finals have been so impressive. It's because... There were questions as to whether Steph, Clay, Dre could continue to perform at the championship level that we've been accustomed to. But as they've gotten older, injuries have injuries has begun have begun to set in. We weren't really sure because the best games from them have been fewer and far between. But that the first two games of this Western Conference Finals. Not all of them have been great at the same time, but each have had their moments to sort of carry the Warriors at times where they've needed it, and then they've all been at their best down the stretch of games when it's crunch time.
0: Yeah, I think Phil might be calling us back. Oh, no, we got Alonzo. Sorry, Phil. Phil, give us another shout, though. We got a spot open for you. Let's really let's quickly take Alonzo before the break out in the North Bay. What's up, Alonzo?
5: Hey, how you guys doing? Good, buddy. Hey, so uh, I actually just wanted to change subjects a little bit and just uh, talk about the the nickname I've been coming up with with this Warriors team, which is uh, the Bedtime Boys. And this has been recently with Curry's night uh, jesters. And I wanted to see what you
0: guys thought. Brian just ran you. Sorry, Alonzo. But call back. I actually kind of like it. You just got to come a little Uh. stronger. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> See, Ev, you're on this side of the glass. You don't control the <laughs> bells and whistles. Evan Giddings, Dan Avone, we're coming up to 2 o'clock. We're going to tease Draymond. i got to go after Draymond. And also, we've yet to even mention Jordan Poole. That and more as the Warriors are up 2-0 in the best of seven in the Western Conference Finals, all here on 95.7 The Game.